0: That's embarrassing. I uh, dialed the wrong number. Right. So let me try that again. Yes, Michael Brown. <laughs> Hi, mom. How are you?
1: How are you? I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm all right. Is, is this a good time to talk, Sue? So, My name is Mike Brown, he, him, are my pronouns, and what you just heard was, well, my mama. In this episode, episode 8, we sit down with the woman who gave me life and pick her brain on how she became a child care provider. Apologies in advance for the sound quality. She was experimenting with a new phone, and I was recording this episode from my car for some peace and quiet. I hope you enjoy. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that child care is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there. Yet, we are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine-tune your skills and grow more in-depth? That's where we come in. These napcasts. 25, 30-minute segments are designed to help you learn on the go. Hear another perspective. Spark debate. (laughs) heck, even agree with us. But honestly, remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. So growing up, you had a ton of jobs due to a volatile job market, being immigrants, having that hustle mentality, which you definitely certainly passed down to me. Um, But one thing stuck with me for a long time, for almost almost 18 years now. So let's take a trip down memory lane. Let's take it back to, I think, 93 or 94. I had considerably less hair than I do now. Um, I think P. Diddy was still known as Puff Daddy or Sean Combs at that time. And Blockbuster is where we spent all of our Saturday nights. And it was also the first year you went into business for yourself and became a family child care home center. So what inspired
1: you to start your own center? Well, what really inspired me is because you, you and your two other siblings were getting older and... We were getting more independent. I think he was like two, uh, maybe not quite two at the time. Mm-hmm. So I decided he was in preschool. Yeah, I was in preschool because at that time you could go to pre-preschool. So I decided to get a little part-time job mm-hmm. while yeah, I was in preschool and then have a child care Person that picked y'all up when you, because it was half a day, and then I'll get home about two two hours afterwards. So, as a few months go by, I realized that my part job was just paying for the preschool and childcare two hours afterwards. So I just said, hmm, this is not working. So I voiced my opinion to my friend and jokingly she said, why don't you open a center? I'm like, okay, yeah, right. So I think about it for a couple of maybe weeks and I said, you know what, let me look into this. So I looked into it Asked the questions and then i was pointed in the right directions of starting the applications taking classes and having the house inspected so the place can be certified for the child care and hence become tender heart daycare My mm-hmm. baby
0: now, was there an experience before that that, that you were like, wow, this is, this is a need in our community?
1: Oh, yes. Um, When I moved to Buffalo first from San Francisco, because I was a rolling stone, didn't want to stay at one place, <laughs> I saw the need for quality child care because I stayed at a homeless shelter Hmm. and I saw the people that was at the homeless shelter was mostly young mothers with children and to me in my mind the the homeless shelter wasn't a safe place for such young at a young tender age of children so um, I remembered me growing up in my country, Antigua. Don't know if you ever heard of that, but that's in the West Indies. I was mostly raised by my grandparents because my parents was away, you know, working trying to build a better life so we could move with them. So I was—I really had a good childhood. I really had a happy childhood. I didn't have no cares, no worries in the world. Every. You know, I have aunts and uncles and grown up cousins and neighbors and matter of fact the whole village, the elderly. We have a saying in our country in our country that it takes a village to raise a child, and literally in our country, it do takes the village to raise a child. Because from the elders to the neighbors, the teachers, pastors. I could even remember nurses. They were there looking out for you. And in our our village, we have like a a nurse, you know, for the village because it's kind of a little way, way off to go to the hospital. So we have nurse and a doctor that lives in the village that comes from the village. Teachers that lives in the village that comes from the village. So everyone have a hand in raising a child and that's what was ingrained in me to be respectful and you know respectful that I could become a uh, I, what I become today. Uh, an adult and a good parent
0: right oh of course <laughs> so from from my brother randy and watching my sister and i um miss jennifer our family friend to that to that one random year on sandy came and decided to spend an entire year in new york with us you had a ton of people watch watch us so you can provide for us in, I just imagine those people in, uh, you know, your children's early years, just in school, really helped shape how you wanted your center to look like. So what were some of the experiences you took from them that you wanted to implement in, you know, even talk about some of the not so positive interactions or experiences that when you opened your center, your your family child care center, Tender Hearts, uh, which was the name of your center. What were some of the things that you wanted to implement and what's some of the things that you wanted to stay clear of?
1: Uh, Think back about it. Uh, The most thing that I really wanted was to implicate in it. It was to how the children was being taken care of. Um, Most of the kids that I have they came from young, young parents who didn't really have an understanding of how to actually raise a child, maybe because of them didn't have any influence in their life before, and because they have to work and away from the children, most of them have no idea what even the different cries of the child really mm-hmm. means so i try to observe the children as much as possible and relate to the parent exactly what i see doing today because i have babies start with me from six weeks and just imagine the parents away from the child Mm -hmm. and only get back get the child back when it's time for the child to say actually wind down and go to bed so they don't really have any quality or quantity time to observe the child from a during the day so that's what i try to really implement in the in the in my settings
0: so thinking back a couple years ago um, you have to dissolve you have to get rid of tender hearts in in 2011 due to the financial crisis of 2009. And uh, there are many others out there right now suffering kind of the same fate due to COVID-19. And I'm sure, you know, if if they're listening to this in the future and other pandemics and other crises and other systemic oppressions and policies enacted, some of them will have to close their doors as well. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you actually knew this or not, but I, I remember one night, because uh, our rooms are right next to each other, and I remember one night hearing you whispering on the phone, and I'm assuming it's Miss Jennifer, because that was like the only adult I remember growing up, um, but I remember you whispering on the phone to someone that you had to close down, and I heard I heard you cry, and that was maybe the first of two times I've ever seen or heard you cry and I, the second one is one the stupid new england patriots won another super bowl title everything <laughs> I, I joined you that night um but for those who are who are who are being forced to make that decision to close what advice thoughts words of affirmation could you share with them
1: well it's really hard for closing the business It's not easy because after you put all your work and dream and, you know, strength or, you know, everything into that business that is really dear to your heart, it's hard for you to really just close the door. But you close for a certain reason. Some of them are financial, which is beyond your control. And some of them are just that you're just ready to relax and have time for yourself with my closing it was the latter i had children from six weeks to 12 years old and i said to myself well my own children they graduate college they want their own so i think it's time for me to move on to something different so with a sad heart after seeing all my babies all grown up as i call them my babies Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when you know being a productive young person in society i decided to close and another reason was the Rules and regulations and different things that because I mostly was like a state-based payment type of people I had. So mm-hmm. after all that, in it was just getting to a point where I didn't agree with certain things, and I said, you know, it's best for me to just close my doors. And beside, there was a lot of other. Center popping up around, which made me think that, you know, it's time for me to close my doors and have time for myself, which I did, traveling and visiting families and just time for me, because I've been doing that for the, for. Ever since the, the kids were like young, to real mm-hmm. t- I can't remember I think yeah I was like two, two, three, something like that. So it was time for me to close and I felt good doing it because it was just time for me
0: mm-hmm. Now it's been about it's been a couple of years um and despite being out the childcare industry in the game for quite some time now so kind of loosely connected. Can you speak about the growth you've seen and maybe some of the hopes and wishes for where you where you think or where you hope that the childcare industry can go from here?
1: Well I think the child care industry is not focused on what I think the focus is. I mean they Put the child in a center and pay for the child to attend. But I think the agencies could have more help for the parent or caregiver of the child. For instance, it's not really easy raising a child. And there are times that the child frustrates you so much and you don't know what to do that you may tend to turn to hitting the child or you know being abusive to the child which is not what you intend but because of all your stress and everything else along with working and trying to make make ends meet it's very hard so I wish they could like have classes, Not only parenting classes, but classes to teach the parent how to budget. That's a big thing. They need to learn how to budget. Yes, they get help, but they don't know how to buy food that are nutritious for the children. And they don't know how to budget what they have to last for the whole month or how to buy stuff that will be benefit to nutritionally and um, say I don't know the other word I'm trying to say, but (laughs) that's what I wish they could do because parents nowadays, they really need help, especially the young one and they need an outlet where they can sit and talk to someone without fear, letting them know how they feel inside. Like before, I remember early on in my daycare, before I had the childcare, they had a a organization that says Big Brother, which allow a parent to who is just at the end of their rope Drop the child off on the weekend where I will keep the child for the whole weekend that the parent can get some needed counseling or rest or just something to just be a way that they could be refreshed and be able to be a better parent. That's what I wish.
2: Mm-hmm
0: what are some lessons you've learned or wisdom you'd give family child care homes um, for new educators who are just starting out or just for other providers in
1: general? Well, first of all, if you're into childcare, make sure exactly that's what you want to do because mm-hmm. childcare is not easy. <clears throat> and Children are just a miniature of a grown-up person. They have thoughts and feelings and everything. They may and they don't know how to project it to you. They may act out in certain ways, which we adults will say, "Oh, it's disruptive and stuff like that." But that's how the child try to get. Whatever is bothering them out to the parent. So you have to really be prepared to listen and come down to their level of thinking, you know, like most likely you're not speaking to a child, you have to actually come down to the floor that they could see you eye to eye <clears throat> instead of just uh, standing as a giant over them. And you have like reason in a way that they could understand and observe them to see exactly what is bothering them, because it could be simple as the child is hot, and you just want to keep, you want the child to keep their socks on, but their feet is probably sweating and it's uncomfortable. And they keep taking it off and you keep putting it on and that make this start screaming and stuff like that. So you have to really, really be present in that time or moment with the child. It's not just all for the money or oh, sit here, watch TV. No, you have to actually be present with the child for you to really understand that.
0: Nowadays, we have a ton of rules and regulations. Some are great, especially around disinfecting. And then some of them might seem restrictive, prescriptive, and, and prevents children from soaring, from thriving. So talk to me about your philosophy when you go to child care center. Uh, I mean, clearly it was effective. Um, a ton of your the children you worked in partnership with, they still come by. They still check in on you. They still call you up. And many of them have gone on to have careers in ballet and engineering. Um, I think one even became a TV personality.
1: My philosophy is very simple, Um, especially when it comes to children. You have to learn how to negotiate with them, how to reason, to give them advice, how to encourage them, and sometimes even let them. Act out, get it yeah. out. Because as a grown up, sometimes you just want to scream. And you just give them a safe place to just scream it out. Because they have feelings and they need to just let it out. And nine out of 10 times after that, it'll be okay. See, cleaning, the cleaning stuff is very essential for the cleanliness of the place but children are going to be children. Children put everything in their mouth and that's how their body fight off the antibodies are built in their body. If they put a dirty finger in their mouth then the body gets to learn to fight off certain germs. If you try to keep a child in a still environment the minute the child goes out and touches something else, bam, the child gets sick. So, although cleaning is very essential, it's okay if a child sticks a dirty shoe in his mouth, his dirty shoe in his mouth. <laughs> you know, it's not the end of the world. Just, you know, said, no, don't put your shoe in your mouth. And It'll be okay. So it's just my simplicity of just making things work.
0: Mm. To allow children to be children. Allow yeah. them to have them their the ability to find the voice, to express themselves, and um to reassure them when 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 they need it.
1: That's right. And give them a hug and Take them in your arms, rock them. You'll be surprised. It will be okay. And they feel assured and safe and really have believe in someone that they can trust. Because my children, most of them, people think, other, other people, when they see me with the child care children, the children I have in my care, They think that they they are mine, just the way we react to each other. I have some of them even call me mommy, which (laughs) I think the parents felt a little unease at the time. But after getting to know the parents a little better, and it was no big deal. And though I correct the child and always refer them that, oh, this is your mommy, this is your daddy children just said we say mommy because of my own children saying mom because they be with us so much that they just picked up on that and said it but it was no problem it was no big deal in mm-hmm. my in, in 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 my time with the parents mm. so and it was just okay. that the parents was very happy to see that. Whenever they leave the child, they know the child is going to be taken care of. And they don't have no worries about thinking of anything. They can think about what they have to do at their job peacefully, without even worrying about. Most of them, the child be saying to them, "I want to go to Miss Brown. I want to go to Miss Brown." I'm like, "Be like, Miss Brown is not there today." And so, that's about it.
2: Yeah.
0: So my brother went into accounting and my sister went into biochemistry. I mean, kind of. It's it's no secret to us, but that's predictable for them. They're straight A students. Me, on the other hand, I was always the one hiding in the back of the class, or you know, you know. And I can say this now because I don't think you can ground me from ten thousand miles away. But you know, I was the one forging my report cards. (laughs) So I guess for this question. I'm I'm gonna ask you to speculate a little bit and say, Why do you think I went into child care?
1: Well, but you I never first time I heard you talking about sitting in the back of the class or forging report card because I never had that report from the teachers about you sitting. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. There was always like Michael is so attentive, he's Raising his hands, he's into everything. I'm sure we're
0: talking about the right teacher.
1: (laughs) And it was just so, it's kind of strange that I'm hearing you say that. But with you, you you you're the one that really more like me, I think, in thinking and free-spirited, you know, because the other two, they're like homebodies. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I was the one that, as I said, I have three, two of them was born in Miami, one was born in Buffalo. I was never at one place for a very long time. I was always traveling, even though y'all was small. I took y'all on the bus, Greyhound, the airplane. I was going. If I wanted to go somewhere, I was going. Hence how we end up in Buffalo. So you was actually get it this disp- the free spirited for me because you know you was always away always like from the time you started college or you were adventurous you were a very adventurous person so it didn't really surprise me with you into a child care setting area because as I was as much the uh, child care children I had they were mostly cling to you than the other two. There was always like Michael this, Michael that and always wanted like to be where Michael is. Exactly. He's like, okay, Michael, Michael. But it's a good thing because I really never think that you would have been in this child child childcare situation, you know what what you're doing right now. So yeah, and I'm proud. A, as they say, the chip off the old block. The apple <laughs> don't fall far from the tree. So yep. Right. So we only got a couple minutes left. Um
0: and I can hear you getting tired with all these questions. So I'm gonna end this, I'm gonna end
1: this on one final one. Would you do it all over again? In a heartbeat. <laughs> I, yes, I really, really love my children. Yes, after getting to know them and the parents too. Up to this day, yeah. Oh, as matter of fact, I did saw one too. They, they always come back whenever they're in town. And they everywhere they see me, they be like, they come back and call me come to my house, I'll be like, who's that knocking on my door? Because they are so grown up and so different. And you know? I'm like, oh, okay. hi." Right. They never come back in town and don't come and visit me. Oh, mm. call me. Yeah, Yep. Letting me know how things are going. Even the parents. I saw a parent yesterday. And she was like, oh, Andre, keep asking for you. I keep telling Andre, Miss Brown had a life. Leave her alone. <laughs> but... Yep, I do it in no no hesitation. No hesitation at all.
0: Thank you, Mom. I love you. Love you
1: too.
0: We'll be right back. Hilltop Children Center is a high quality preschool after school program and professional development institute of early learning and inquiry, serving the Seattle community since nineteen seventy one. Together, we are working with the next generation of inventors, leaders, thinkers, artists, and social activists. For more information on our professional development and community outreach, including workshops, presentations, blogs, coaching, and consulting, and of course this Napcast, please visit www.hilltopcc.org. Mike, thanks for
2: uh, recording that with your mom. That was. Um you know, as we've been getting to know each other and grow our own friendship and relationship, it was really cool and Mm. awesome to hear this insight into your life. And especially with somebody in your family, Yeah, you know, I appreciated the rawness of it, even though at the beginning you're like, you know, pardon the sound quality. I thought it sounded really great. And it really came off as something really authentic. Um, and just to like see your, your world through a different lens that I don't think any of us really get to see, Mm. uh, just amongst each other, but maybe people in our community seeing from you. Definitely. Um, so I think this will be something that'll be really uh, interesting, you know, and I definitely feel the vulnerability and that, that you're putting out there and, you know, I hope, and I know it's going to be received really well, and it's going to be really great. Um, how was it for you?
0: Yeah, man. First of all, I was recording it in my car, and then um, I lived right off a busy highway or a busy street, so I had to roll up all the windows. And of course, it was a, uh, it was what like ninety degrees that day, so I was <laughs> dying. I was literally dying in it, but it was it was a lot of fun. Really interviewing my mom; she was super nervous, if you couldn't tell. Um, and like you said, it was it was very very vulnerable for me. Um, you know especially given our, our current political climate and knowing that you know my mom and my pops my old man you know they're foreign born and sharing that bit of information and a bit of yourself especially in 2020 in this country um you know traditionally that's not something you should really be broadcasting and uh just even sharing our battle with escaping homelessness in, in 1993 um, and then going again through transitional housing a couple of years later, and then, you know, we didn't say it there, but going through bankruptcy, um, that's that's draining, man. Yeah. And it's even the little things, um, like me knowing and, and, and sharing that English isn't her first language. And thinking about how listeners and society might react to that, you know, I had to pause and, and think do I, do I want to bring that to light? Is that something I'm comfortable? Uh, you know, and also, how's my mom going to feel about that? Yeah. So this interview came with a lot of thoughts. You didn't even, you know, even though I'm here in the back, especially when I think about how English isn't her first language. There's times when she said things, and I knew what she meant, but thought, dang, the audience might not. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, back home in her village in Antigua, everyone calls it daycare right? Preschool is called daycare, first grade is called daycare, babysitting is called daycare. So just thinking about how that might be perceived here, especially since we're trying to professionalize our field and, mm-hmm. and bring power to the profession, helping helping people understand that cultural context. And then I guess just another thing is we're super proud people, right? Our, our culture is rooted in strength. So asking her to lean into some of these questions was difficult for her um and especially when we talked about closing out her center
2: yeah
0: yeah it was partly due to financial crisis and it was partly due because she was tired you know and and she didn't want to admit that so that was that was tough and i heard it you know and i heard it in her voice and even some of the offline conversations that we had about about that when i asked her like how did you feel about it you know she expressed some some things to me so I, I really appreciate just the opportunity of of her leaning into that
2: and that, i think that's always tough for for parents or or the adults of children or of their children or even like you know how she called she calls all the children that she's had her mm, babies yeah and i yeah. think <laughs> that can be hard when you've been so strong for young ones in your life to then like put down that guard, right? And to like mm-hmm. just lean into this thing of vulnerability. Yeah, sorry to pre- cut you off. No, 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 happened.
0: no, no doubt. And um you know, I'm trying to think about some of the other things that she was saying and I don't know why she said I wasn't disruptive or sitting in the back of the class because <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh while well, you I were was. there, she yeah, wasn't <laughs> yeah, exactly and <laughs> she would beat me religiously each quarter. Um and I can see that now, so know not CPS, but uh
2: and she can't ground you exactly (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) but uh you know it it was really great to to hear her speak on the topic and shed some light that i hope listeners found useful you know leaning into that vulnerability sitting in that discomfort is something i always challenge myself uh or excuse me it's always something i challenge others to do but i personally struggle putting that into practice um it's not really a strength of mine so it was good exercise doing that and practicing what i preach um what sucks is that is that she had some some real gems that i had to edit out because because i was thinking about the the audio and it was slightly inaudible um and she slipped up and like i said her english isn't her first language but she would slip back and start speaking french and i was just like okay oh bring it back, bring it back, you know, and, and you know, some of the cars are passing by. Um, but yeah, you know, she, I'm thinking about one thing that she mentioned was that children are smarter than we think. And I like a sponge soaking up every word and action, which goes right along with how you and I view children, you know, and the image of the child, which we spoke about
2: in episode five. Yeah. And I'm glad <laughs> this is such a natural, great segue. That's one of the things that I, uh, when I was listening and kind of took an, um, took a note of that struck me was your mom's really strong image of the child and how she really called out being present with children and i really loved because it's something that you and i have talked about something that i always tell other people in our field uh, even outside of our field is children are not really any different than us grown up oh absolutely not. And she, i think she called them miniature adults yeah. right and they are like you know i think that j- they just have less practice they have um and like she pointed out they have uh, and and that practice that of being able to not uh, the tools to regulate as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they and ju- I, w- I wrote it down right here in all caps. Sometimes you just got to scream it out, right? <laughs> and we all need some sort of pressure release. And sometimes our most productive pressure releases they don't they just don't fit at times. And mm. sometimes you just got to scream it out. So I that really um that really hit home to me and actually made me miss my mom yeah. because there were a lot of, I was a pretty, um, zero to 60 kind of kid. Uh, well probably you know, shoot like up to like maybe eight years ago, a zero <laughs> to 60 kind of person. I would say zero to 70, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but my mom, I remember my mom telling me a story of like, you know, I, I wanted to go to a toy store when I was like three years old or maybe younger. And she just said no. And I flipped out and I kept <laughs> begging her and, She just stuck, stuck with it. And, um, and in the middle of a mall, I just like threw myself down and slamming my head in the ground and just screaming, ah, she just told me, she'd look at me and be like, are you done? (laughs) We still got some shopping to do. Exactly. So, you know, and, you know, I, and I guess that even though that may sound like a negative thing or whatever, what my mom and what your mom were getting at is like, this is this person who needs to let this out. And this is, the way that they know best to kind of let yeah. it out and they're gonna learn along the way to to better regulate themselves as they you know as they get older and they, they just need time and so I really perceive that from what your mom was saying um, and that yeah that really stuck out with me being present and and then also what she was saying like forming these authentic relationships with people which it mm-hmm. sounds like she really took to heart with all the young kids that she had in her center.
0: You know, looking back, it was something special, just, just seeing her in action. And um, when you're that young, you don't quite understand or get it. But as you reflect back, you know, we're, we're reflective practitioners, mm-hmm. you know, and really engaging in reflective practice. As I think back about it, I'm like, damn, you know, what, what a childhood, what, a, what an opportunity I had to see how do you just treat another human being despite them being um children of children of the state children who were suffering from different forms of abuse um neglect and seeing how my mom just saw them as a person and cared and nurtured them as one of her own sometimes i got jealous um (laughs) but what a sight. And that's some things that, those are invaluable things that if I would ever have a child, I'm always going, th- that's my foundation of peace, right? And I'm going to bring so much of those teachings um, and thoughts into, into the world
2: of my child if I ever have one. Yeah. And I'm, uh, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you is like, what do you remember as having kids in your house?
0: Mm, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I think it, it the, the, the beautiful part of that about having so many kids in in our home is that when you when you think about how we were going through bankruptcy how we, mm-hmm. how we were going through so many different types of hardships that it forced me to grow up it forced me to get a job it forced me to be responsible and having those kids who were my age or younger also gave me a sense of, yeah, I can be a kid, right? Mm. I can I can have that that protection, that preservation of childhood, right? Because in the grand scheme of things, you're you're a child essentially. What we call child, you know, birth to nine yeah. for maybe ten percent, if you're lucky, out of your entire life. And most of your time is spent in adulthood, or you know, under well, the
2: expectation of exactly, right, like a right? quote unquote growing
0: up and you know yeah. we even know from statistics that a lot of young young black males young males of color right when they get 16 they get treated like an adult right? yeah yeah so having having a chance to be around children and and enjoy dragon ball z and <laughs> you know being able to to get muddy to be dirty to play in the streets put a shoe in your mouth exactly right <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: good memory good memory yeah was um did wonders to to my development um
2: Mm -hmm. you know and and kind of in the lines with that with one thing that um one of the first things she pointed out was that she had a lot of young families Mm -hmm. that that were in her care Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times she basically she was a suedo parent because, mm-hmm. and then I really loved how she talked about, you know, the village concept yep. and and really tying that back to the real life experience that she grew up with because in a village yep. in Antigua. Um, and so, you know, she lived that out and it was almost like it's a core value. And, and and so going back to my, que- uh, the, the point that I saw her um, and something that struck me was time is a privilege, you know, and for a lot of, families of color especially young families and it and i know this could be something extrapolated with like so much more but you know having time to 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 be able to spend five hours a day like most of the families we Mm -hmm. serve with their child that's a privilege Mm -hmm. whereas maybe a lot of these young families on i'm assuming families of color yeah yep that that she had in her center um They didn't have that privilege. Mm -hmm. And it kind of strikes me as part of that systemic oppression, right? Like keeping, keeping families so stressed under the thumb of working that this is what they have to do, that it almost becomes this, this thing that children realize of this is how a family dynamic works. Like you have kids, but you work and then you can't be with them or you're just not expected to be with them. Mm -hmm. And then, we, and then we wonder about – or then you have certain sides of the political spectrum wondering about, quote, unquote, family values. Yeah. And it's like, why don't we invest in families a little bit better <laughs> and especially in families of color and realize what are the systemic things that are keeping them in this pressure cooker? And so that really, like, and that was in, like, maybe, what, the first five minutes or something your mom <laughs> said. All these things just blew up into my mind.
0: It's it's so interesting, you know, especially with the the village piece. And mm-hmm. I didn't even make a connection, really, until you just said that, until now. Like, her growing up in the village and being surrounded by everyone who comes from the village that lives in the village, that she said. And then thinking about... Her her um, child care center and how it was her watching children at you know 8 a.m. 6 p.m. getting up sometimes I'm, I remember her getting up and having a, getting me dressed right because some of the families that she served. Um, they had a mental breakdown, right? So mm-hmm. I'm in the car at 2 a.m. not knowing what the heck is going on, and we're going, we're picking up such and such, and we're bringing them back to our center, and then they stayed with us for a week, and I'm just like, what's going on? Like, do I have a new brother? Like, I'm so excited, but really that that village part and how now I'm thinking about how so invested that I am in in my community right here Mm -hmm. in seattle here in seattle here in the ece here in you know the black and brown community here and some of the different volunteers and other things that i'm associated with dang like you know it's like my eyes are awakening even though i knew it but to be able to to say it to frame it and to be pointed out from you to me just how much of a village i incorporate some of the values i'm taking back with me and it's um it's something um, special man
2: yeah and it was like all modeled mm, you know yeah. and it's all through action right mm-hmm. it's not like somebody just saying hey we all got to pitch in and this is all community it's actually being lived out yeah that's and being, all i know and being lived out out of you know and, it, and a lot of what i've heard uh your mom say especially how she started is sort of out of necessity mm. right and and that really like was striking me as i was listening it's like but and really just as general as of ECE and, and childcare and and just our field in general, it's a it's a necessity for mm. society. And you know, society is just basically a, a bigger word for a village. And it really does take everybody to uh to really to really pitch in. Um, you know, there's I, I heard this, I think it's an Amish saying, but there's no heavy burden if everybody does some lifting. Absolutely. You know and so that really stuck out with me. I just
0: hope that we can, in terms of our field, right, because I think we're so siloed. I'm Montessori, you're Reggio, I'm Head Start, you're ECAB. stuff like that. I really hope we can embed some of that, that value of the village and take care of one another, no matter what our philosophy is, no matter what our context is, and really look out and support even those who aren't in the field anymore, right? Yeah. Because once, once you're a part of the ECE, you know, you're a
2: part of us. Well, it's it's funny you're saying that because it's like, I think for the most part, I would love to see the percentage, but I would guarantee 90% of the United States population has been in child care of some kind.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: It's got to be something, yeah, like, yeah. something super up? high yeah. like that. Because, yeah, we're all part, we've all participated in the village somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious what is, I guess to kind of narrow it down, what does your mom think of like childcare now and specifically what does she think about men in early childhood mm. education?
0: That's a, bit, that's a good question. That is a real good question. What does she think of it now? I'm, I'm going to start there because that's the easier of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she thinks that we're, she thinks that we're on the right track, right? there's a lot of up for that's happening. There's a lot of progressiveness happening. There's a lot of, um, we at least can acknowledge the fact that the system wasn't built for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. And and that we can't continue to do the things that we've normally been doing. Um, and she is definitely for a lot of deregulation because there's, while you know, we, we talk about intent versus impact. While the intent is good, the impact is just that
2: yeah.
0: it's unfortunately forcing centers like hers, right, to mm-hmm. close. It's, it's forcing a lot of people now in COVID to close. So, yeah, you know, I, I think she she's down for the cause and, and, and she's looking for ways to support it even though she's out of it. And then for the second question, um, what does she think of men in EC or males in EC? Like
2: I'm sure you told her yeah. about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Toddlers. You know,
0: I think her first question to me was, "He has tattoos." <laughs> like, <laughs> so you know, because you have a whole sleeve of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thought it was she thought it was pretty rad the fact that it's not just. And she is not just an isolated or a single gender um field anymore you know that has traditionally been looked upon and she the one the one thing that she's super interested in and proud of is the fact that by having more male involvement is gonna destigmatize the field mm. and it's only going to create more quote-unquote successful families, however you define successful, right? Yeah. It's going to be more involved male figures, not just fathers, but male figures. Um, and that's really going to increase, um, you know, it's really going to increase male, male involvement and, and just strengthen um, strengthen the relationships that our young boys and girls in in non-gender conforming children are having with adults in the world
2: yeah i mean i think it'll just really get at that concept of like hey like we were just saying we're all in this together Mm -hmm. yeah well cool thanks mike i appreciate that
0: yeah no doubt uh what's next what what do we got what's our next
2: conversation i don't know should we get my mom on next absolutely (laughs) i love it (laughs) All right. Take care, Mike. Hey, you too, brother. Until next time. Next time.